0: Welcome to the Word at First Pres. During the fall, we're doing a sermon series called Making Peace with the Pandemic. Each week, we are going to examine a different aspect of how the pandemic has changed our lives. We're going to reflect on our experiences and process what we've gained and lost. Thanks for listening.
1: Our first reading today is from Matthew 25, verses 14 through 29. For it is as if a man, going on a journey, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. you have been trustworthy in a few things i will put you in charge of many things enter into the joy of your master then the one who had received the one talent also came forward saying master i knew that you were a harsh man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed so i was afraid and i went and i hid your talent in the ground here you have what is yours. But his master replied, you wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with ten talents, for to all those who have, more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Our second scripture reading today comes from Matthew 15, verses 32 through 38. This is better known as the feeding of the 4,000. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for the crowd because they have been with me now for three days and have nothing to eat, and I do not want to send them away hungry, for they might faint on the way. The disciples said to him, Where are we going to get enough bread in the desert to feed so great a crowd? Jesus asked them, How many loaves have you? They said, Seven and a few small fish. Then, ordering the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish, and after giving thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds, and all of them ate and were filled, and they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. Those who had eaten were four thousand men, besides women and children. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. So if you've been here, you know we've been doing a sermon series called Making Peace with the Pandemic. The goal of this series is to examine all the ways the pandemic has changed our world, changed us, and how our faith can lead us towards healing. Each week we begin with a series of interviews with members of our congregation that lay the foundation of that day's sermon. And today actually marks a turn in our sermon series. As you heard Judy talk about, today is Stewardship Sunday, where we not only talk about the way that you can financially support our community here, but also with your gifts of time and talent but there's another reason why this marks a shift it marks a shift in the tone of the sermons that you're going to be hearing for the last eight weeks we've been talking about all the negative things that have been happening to us as a result of the pandemic and to be sure i think we would all agree the pandemic has left scars on all of us in different ways true true True. but today we're going to be talking about one of the positive sides of the pandemic how some people were actually able to improve their lives as a result of the time that we had during the pandemic. And the two people who we're going to focus on today are Francie Taylor and Mario Alberico. Mario is an elder in this church. Uh, He's also served as a uh, Sunday school teacher. He also helped us to create that art show. Back in the day, I don't know if you remember, a number of years ago, we did an art show here. He helped to create that. Francie is a newer member, but she has really been involved in our church in a number of different ways. In particular, she has been teaching yoga in various capacities here at our church. So let's hear what they both have to say.
1: The World Health Organization has declared coronavirus a global pandemic.
0: More than 3,700 people have now been added to the COVID-19 death toll
2: in New York City. COVID-19 has battered the global economy, causing the worst recession since the Great Depression.
1: COVID has killed more people in one day than the number of people killed on D-Day.
3: You live every day with multiple disabilities and a constant worry that I'm going to end up in an ambulance taking me to the hospital and then being admitted. Because over the last 10 years, I've spent over 600 days at hospital visits and doctor visits. I've had over 30 hospital visits. I've had eight emergency surgeries. I go to the ER six to eight times a year through an ambulance. So if you can say normal, What that is, that's just how we live our lives, and it's okay because as a long-term survivor of a cancer that killed basically everybody who had it back in the 70s, I live a life of joy.
2: I was really living most of my waking life in an emotional and psychological survival mode. If there was a fire, I put it out, and I just anxiously waited for the next fire. And leading up to the pandemic especially, I really kind of came to a place where I was working 10, 12 hour days and then coming home to my husband and our two kids with absolutely nothing left in my tank to give anyone. And I think that part of that was because I was spending so much energy maintaining this internal world that was completely separate and different from this projected persona that I gave to the external world. And it was exhausting.
3: The first thing is, it didn't impact my life very much. My day-to-day existence was about the same, right? Because I was at home. And I was often finding myself talking to people about their experience once the pandemic hit and how curious it was because suddenly the world was behaving in a way that was similar to what i had been doing for a long time but now it was completely different because we had a shared experience the second thing was my family many people talked about the relationships when you spend so much time together claudia and i said Wow, this is like when we first met. We couldn't do much, couldn't go where, because we were poor college kids. We just loved being around each other, and that was wonderful.
2: I was furloughed from my job, and they basically said, "We're going to bring you back eventually, but for now, you're, you know, you're furloughed." So now I have this gift of time to just sit and observe. It was just built in because. there was nothing else for me to do so I began to notice that our kids just my physical presence with them had a profound effect they began to calm down and be kinder to one another and then George Floyd was murdered and to borrow a phrase from an author uh, Michelle Cassandra Johnson it cracked me wide open and Everything then became in question and how I was living my life, what I was doing, and what I wasn't doing. And so from that point on, I began to understand that there was probably going to come a time where I needed to reinvent myself. About a month after George Floyd was murdered, I started entertaining the idea of becoming a yoga teacher. And it's something that I'd always wanted to do, and by July I enrolled and that's when the biggest transformation really started unfolding for me. I began to really tell myself the truth. That disparity between my internal world and my external world started to find a place of congruency, where what I felt inside began to match what I was putting out into the world.
3: As a disabled person, while I've never felt isolated because I built a social media network, I've never been engaged. I've never been able to do work. The biggest fine art academic meeting every year is called the College Art Association Conference. And I've always wanted to attend it, but I've never been able to go because of my health. By attending that virtual conference, it changed the trajectory of my life forever. Now I was meeting people from all over the world leading figures in the world of art and science and technology and suddenly finding I had a place at the table 15 months ago for me to work over zoom or facetime would have been awkward it would have been strange and it would have been oh yeah that guy is not normal you know he's disabled i'd like a kid in a candy store being able to be around these people and also work with them directly to affect change in the world. And that's been something I never expected because suddenly a disabled person on Zoom is like everybody else.
2: I still experience all the same emotions like sadness or frustration or whatever, but I experience them almost like a, from a perspective of a different person. That's why I feel so called to 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 offer yoga as a profession because I've seen what it could do with one life and how as we begin to really embrace all of the parts of ourselves, the shadowy parts, the parts we're happy about, it becomes much harder to be anything but compassionate and kind to the people in the world around us. Yeah, I don't think I would've, would've made nearly the progress or the shifts that I've that I've made had it not been for the pandemic
3: the one thing I've learned through covid is that we all experience death and dying, suffering and pain and what I would hope people would understand is it doesn't matter what our pain is suddenly we share it. And so I hope that what we walk away from is a greater sense of community and connectivity and relationship with each other that didn't exist before.
2: We aren't always aware of that wholeness, of that goodness that is within each one of us. And when we can access that wholeness, it changes us. And so I, I just would encourage people that if we can, you know, slow down and take the time to nurture ourselves, then that will never be time wasted.
0: Now, before I dive into all this, for any of you who are familiar with Francie or Mario, you probably know that within the last few months, Both of these people have experienced really difficult situations in their lives. Uh, Francie very unexpectedly uh, lost her husband to an accident. Uh, This is something that has left her family quite, quite reeling. And it had nothing to do with COVID. COVID did not cause this, it just happened out of the blue. Mario, uh, because of his health concerns, uh, he has taken a turn for the worse. He has been dealing with a lot of health issues. Again, nothing to do with COVID. It just is part of the cancer treatments that he got when he was younger, catching up to him. And so I think that if you would ask both of these people, is what they said in this video, which we did over the summer still true, I think they would say, absolutely it is, 100%, that the pandemic changed our lives for the better. And I wanna just take a moment this morning, we're gonna leave their stories behind momentarily I want to talk just more generally about people who were able to use the pandemic to change their lives for the better. I don't know about you, but I met so many different people who were able to use the pandemic as time to be able to change themselves in terms of the eating better, exercising more. I met people who pray more and meditated. People took up hobbies. I watched people start to write poetry or write books. I watched people start to get into art, like they would do woodworking and candle making. I mean, all kinds of stuff is what I saw out there. But the people who I was most impressed with, for sure, were the people who were able to reset their lives, like they decided they were going to work on themselves internally by going to counseling and therapy and all these different things they were going in one direction and they decided you know what i'm going to turn it around and i'm going to go in the exact opposite now that was not me for sure i could tell you that much and so i was sitting there wondering i'm like what's the difference between the person who found their stride in the pandemic versus those of us who were just trying to tread water and survive versus those of us who ended up in self-destruct mode. And I did some research, and what I discovered is that one of the biggest things that happened during the pandemic, this is not the only thing, but one of the biggest things that occurred is that the pandemic greatly disrupted the pace of our lives. Now, you heard Francie actually refer to this, right? So all of us in here, many of us, we were going a million miles an hour, right? We're doing all the things that we need to do. Pandemic hits, bam, we stopped. And all of a sudden, this gives us time to think because we don't have all these obligations we have to get to anymore. Now, having that time to think was actually really, really challenging for a number of people. It's a scary thing to think about yourself, right? To think and go internal. I think that's why a lot of us like to go from one thing to the next, because it prevents us from having that time to think. We do it intentionally because we're scared if we look too much inside of ourselves We're not going to like what we see. And I think for a number of people, this is what happened to them. They looked inside themselves, it got them depressed, and it drove a lot of those negative behaviors that we saw in the pandemic. But for Francie, she took the time to look inside of herself, and that motivated her to want to change. So she looked at everything she was doing. She was working long hours. She was never at home with her family. She was exhausted. And so when she thought about going back to what was normal, she said, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to do something different. And so this is where she took it upon herself to go and to get certified in yoga. And what was fascinating about that, I assume you picked up on this, is that it wasn't just about a career change for her. That the yoga certification actually allowed her to become a different person more kind compassionate caring individual and if you know Francie if any of you are aware of her and spend time with her there is a marked difference between her before the pandemic and now and I think that that's what happened to a number of people they took that opportunity and they allowed it to transform themselves internally so that's one side of people who were affected positively the other side is what we see with Mario Alberico and I find his story to be so fascinating right Because this is a guy who before the pandemic was basically sequestered inside of his home right and so all of a sudden pandemic comes and now we're living the way that he's been living all this time and no longer is he the odd man out now as an artist he of course always wanted to go to these art conferences and he always wanted to do these networking events but he couldn't because if he wanted to get on there, right, he would be the only guy on FaceTime or Zoom, and they'd be like, oh, of course, it's that odd, awkward guy with the disability who wants to be here, but then he all of a sudden switches it around, right? Now everybody's on Zoom, and as he said, there is no difference between him and everybody else. Everybody's just a box on a screen, and so I think a big bright side that came out of the pandemic. And I really want you to hear this when I say it, because I think this is really important. A big bright side is the fact that all of us now understand what it's like for people who have physical and intellectual disabilities to function in our world when we're going full bore, all out, right? It's hard for them to keep up. They can't really do it anymore. And I hope that what we've learned, because we all had to figure out, wow, this is hard, that what we will be able to do is make it so that people in the future who have intellectual disabilities, physical disabilities can participate because we have the technology now and we should use it for that purpose. The other thing I think that happened in the pandemic was that people who didn't have a voice found their voice in the pandemic. And you saw this with Mario Mario, 10 years ago, is where his health really took a turn for the worse, and he lost his voice. And that was because of everything that had happened. It was all of the treatments from cancer catching up to him. Now, he was an elder here. He still is until uh, December when he finishes his term. He started in 2019. In 2019, when he began, he came to very few meetings because we'd hold them at night here at the church. We had to physically be here. And at night, he was not doing well. He couldn't leave his home. So he missed most of those meetings. 2020 comes, pandemic, now we're all on Zoom. And all of a sudden, now he's interacting more. He's the reason we were able to change all of our leadership around. He was the primary voice that pushed that forward. Wouldn't have happened if it hadn't been for the pandemic. And so what I see with both Mario and Francie is that they are examples of one of the most important concepts in stewardship, which is that when life hands you a very difficult, challenging situation, you need to make the best of that difficult, challenging situation. And both Francie and Mario did that. They did, what is it? Life hands you lemons, what are you supposed to do? Try to make lemonade, right? That's what you do with it. Okay, this is exactly what is happening In the scripture we read this morning about Jesus feeding the 4,000. So there's two different stories of this. Jesus feeds 5,000. Jesus feeds 4,000. The story is basically the same. They're out in the middle of nowhere. Jesus is teaching them. They run out of food. They only have a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. And what does Jesus do? He ends up taking that food and multiplying it so that everybody gets to eat. There are two ways that you can interpret this story. There is the literal interpretation, right? Where basically Jesus uses magic to make the food multiply and that's why everybody eats. But there is another way that you can interpret this story and it's actually an interpretation I heard from a Hollywood movie, funny enough. It's a movie called Millions. It came out uh, in the early 2000s and it's about two boys up in Scotland who find a million dollars or a million pounds. The older son, he wants to keep it all for himself The younger son is this really kind, generous boy. He wants to give it all away. And so you're going to see a scene from this movie, and basically the younger son, he sees saints. And so he's speaking to St. Peter about this story from the scripture. Let's see what it says.
4: Listen. One day I was with you-know-who, Jesus. And he went up into the mountains, and thousands of people followed him. The police said 5,000, 5,000.
2: Everybody knows this story, loaves and fishes.
4: See, I knew you'd say that. That's what everybody says. Anyway, this kid comes up to us, about your size. His name was, no, I forgot. I still see him sometimes. Anyway, he comes up with these loaves and fishes, sardines. And Jesus blesses them and passes the plate round. Now, the first person he passes it to passes it on. He doesn't take anything, he just passes it on. Do you know why? Because he had a piece of lamb hidden in his pocket. And as he's passing the fish, he sneaks a bit of meat out and pretends he's taking it off the plate. Do you see what I'm saying? And the next person, exactly the same story. Every single bastard, one of them has their own food. And every one of them's keeping it quiet looking after number one. But as that plate went round with the sardines on, they all got their own food out and started to share. And that plate went all the way round and back to Jesus, and it still got the fish and the loaves on it. And Jesus was a bit taken aback. He says, what happened? And I just said, miracle. And at first, I thought I'd fooled him. But now I see it was a miracle. One of his best. But this little kid that stood open, everybody there just got bigger. <laughs> Alright, so the
0: interpretation that this movie is putting forth is the idea that everybody already had their own food on them, which Historically is technically correct because at that time they didn't exactly have grocery stores like we do today or, you know, gas stations where you can go get food. Whenever anybody went out, they carried food on their person wherever they went. And so the idea that they would have their own food, that makes sense. So if you interpret it through this lens, what that means is that the miracle that Jesus performed was getting everybody from guarding the food for themselves, right? So everybody has the food they're worried about themselves and being able to give that food out and share it with those around them that the miracles that they were willing to let go of their selfishness and share with people who didn't have as much as they did now if you're willing to interpret the story that way then i think that is a great parallel with the pandemic that we've been in so in the pandemic what happens initially everything gets shut down we're stuck inside who are we most worried about Us, right, and our families, we want to make sure we don't get sick and our closest people don't get sick. But as the pandemic goes on, what happens? Well, it shows the discrepancy between those who have resources and those who don't. Those of us who have resources, we were fine. Pandemic didn't impact us all that much. Those who didn't have resources, though, it was really hard on them. And this is where Jesus called on us as Christians to be able to use the resources we had to help those people who were struggling and couldn't get by. So, in this instance, right, Jesus wants us to take the lemons and turn them into lemonade. God wants us to see the bright side of a really tough and challenging situation. Same thing with what you heard Judy read. So that is the parable of the talents, that parable. A talent in the parable is a measure of money, quite a lot of money, to be honest with you. But that word talent, actually, that is where the English word talent comes from, is actually from that parable. So what is a talent that we have today? A talent today is what? A God-given gift that you have to be able to do something well, right? So even though this parable is talking about money, it still works in terms of the talents that we possess. Because what happens when we find ourselves in difficult situations? We become like the guy in the parable. What happens? The three people, they're given different types of talents, right? Five, three, or five, two, and one, right? That's the way it is. Okay, five, two, one. So the guy with five, he multiplies it, brings back ten. The guy with two, brings back four. The guy with one, what does he do? Buries it in the ground. That is our inclination with our talents when times get hard. We say, you know what? I'm not going to use my talents right now. I'll wait till the storm blows over. But that is the exact opposite of what Jesus wants us to do. Jesus wants us to use what we have for the benefit of others, particularly in the bad situations. And this is what Mario did. This is what Francie did. They were in a bad situation, and they used what they had for the benefit of themselves and others. And I really think this is so critically important for us which is that regardless of the situations we find ourselves in, Jesus wants us, particularly in the tough situations, whether it's 4,000 people in the middle of nowhere who have nothing to eat or whether we're in the middle of a pandemic, to use our talents for those who are suffering and struggling to build up God's kingdom and to see the bright side of a bad situation. And you all have done that exactly in this church. So over the last year... We have really not been here. We just got back here really in September, right? So we haven't been back for that long, but yet you guys supported our community. We've been able to continue our mission of serving other people who are needy. We've been able to pay our staff. I greatly appreciate that, by the way. So does Judy and many of the other people who are here. So thank you for that. And to keep the lights on in here. Your giving has helped us to do that. We had a community relief fund. This is a fund where you all gave, separate to everything else, you all gave more than $70,000 so that if people came to us, we could give that money to help them with bills that they needed to be paid, back rent, food, literally the money you gave helped people not to fall into homelessness or to starve. That's what you all did when you were here. We also, in the midst of the pandemic, expanded our digital footprint. So we have about 250 people coming on a Sunday. That's about average right now. That's not what we were before the pandemic. But what's interesting is that every Sunday we have between 150 and 200 computers watching us online. Now that can have multiple people watching at the same time. And so we've really seen an expansion of these things. When we weren't in here, we raised money for a capital campaign so that we can make our building more accessible. When I applied for this job in 2013, I read a mission study that was from a few years earlier, 2011, so it's 2021 today, that's 10 years ago, right? I read every word of that study, I really wanted this job badly. So I read it, do you know what the number one problem was? The number one problem that people cited throughout that study, it was that this church is not accessible to people who cannot walk well. That was literally the number one thing that people talked about. So it took us eight years, but we finally got there. We're this close to breaking ground on it. You may have heard there's been some supply chain issues and labor shortages. And so we've been running into some problems of getting enough people, the contractors, to give us quotes, but we're almost there. We're almost ready to start going on it. But thank you for doing that. And even though our giving has been down, and it has been down, we've kept our spending in line with the giving so that the two are right in line with each other. Now, these are all big positives that came out of a really challenging time, and I want to thank you for that. And that's why our stewardship campaign is called Back to the Bright Side, renewing our commitment to God. So, when we came back here in September, We knew we had a lot of work to do to get people going. Chris worked really hard on getting our brochure together. You all probably got that brochure about what we were doing between September and December. You're going to get another one that's talking about what's going on between January and May. And we've been trying to entice you to come back with things. We had an amazing concert, amazing concert on Wednesday. You all did a fantastic job. We've had amazing recitals. We have our service Saturdays we're doing. I'm trying to go all out with these sermons by doing all these interviews and movies. I'm trying to get you all to come back in here because the fact is we fell out of the habit of coming to church. Understandable that we would, but that's hurt us as a church community because we need people to be able to run this church. I know you're super tired of hearing these all in things that we're doing every week, but the fact is we're doing that for a very specific reason because If you all don't come back, we lost a lot of all our volunteerism. We're going to have to start shutting programs down if we don't get the volunteers to come back and help us out. That's the situation we're in right now. The staff just can't do it on our own. So that's why it's really, really important that you all say, I can give you one thing. I can do one thing. It it makes a difference. And financially, as I said, we've been behind. This is the first year where I'm going to ask you, I need you to give more than what you gave in the previous years. I haven't asked for an increase in giving in years. It's been a while. 2019 I didn't do it, pandemic hits. I didn't do it then either, but now we're in a place where we really need it because we're gonna to try to do more to get people back in the doors, but we can't let our spending outpace our giving, but we're doing more so it's gonna cost us more. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. so if you can only give what you gave last year, I understand that. I get it. We're still in kind of a precarious place, but if you can give more, even if it's a few hundred dollars, it's going to make a difference to us long term because everything just costs more now. Now, some of you, you're newer to our community, and you're sitting there and you're saying, Alex, well, all these other people have been giving in the past. What should I give to the church? And I'm glad you asked that question. So, (laughs) Whenever I talk to people and I say, what's a good baseline for what you should give? I usually say it's about $40 a week. So that comes out to $2,080 a year for the individual and $4,160 a year for a couple. That's a good starting place, which some of you might be looking at and being like, ha, that feels like a lot. I'm used to giving like 10 bucks in the plate, right? But that's what we need to keep this church going. And I'm just being honest with you. That's what we need. And some of you might be saying, well, very easy for you to ask, Alex. Like, it's easy to sit there and ask for this much. Do you give that to the church? And I say this for the benefit of people who are new. Yes, I do. I give that and much, much more to the church for my own salary because I believe so strongly in what we do here. And I would never ask you to do something that I am not doing myself. So, if you can increase your giving, if you can start giving at that level, that's gonna really be a benefit to us of being the bright side to those here in Arlington Heights. Now, you should have received one of these. Who's received one? Raise your hand if you got one, in your yours in the mail. Okay, if you didn't, they're in the pew, you can grab them. These are your commitment cards. And as you heard Judy say, next week is Commitment Sunday, where you write down on the card what you plan to give. So next week you would turn these in, you'd say, here's what I'm gonna give in the next year. These are important for us, we need you to do that. And also on the card is the opportunity to click, to check, am I all in? Now, I'm looking out at this audience, I know that most of you here are already doing a lot, which is great, just tell us what you're doing so that we know what's happening. Because when you get to St. Peter and he's looking through the database and he didn't see you were all in, it's gonna be bad news, okay? So. Let us know what you are doing. If you are not already involved, then please talk to Bob. Talk to somebody and find that one thing that you want to do. And I just want to say again, Thank you so much for all that you have done throughout the pandemic. This has been a hard time for all of us and you all have made it so that this church has continued to not only survive, but thrive. And we need to take it to that next level. So thank you for being the bright side to so many different people in our community. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.firstpresah. For more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.